really matters? That might be the most important question you can ask. So let's talk about it. Welcome to What Really Matters, Everyday Spirituality with Karen Wyatt. I'm glad you're here with me again today for another episode. And today I'm going to talk about what determines success in life. And this came about once again, because I read a really interesting study that has been done uh, that that I wanted to talk about. And I think this is going to end up being a two part episode because I'll talk about this study and some of the factors around success. But next week, I want to talk about success from a higher perspective, success from the galaxy view, from higher consciousness, or from an integral perspective. So we'll get into that next time around. But first, I want to look at success in general and how our society views success and even some of the factors that contribute to success. Because as I said, I found a really interesting study that I was kind of excited to share with you. So if we just look at the definition of success, generally, success is considered the achievement of a desired goal. That's the basic definition. When you've accomplished something that you set out to do, that is a success. And so obviously, the type of goal that you desire makes all the difference in how you look at success or what it consists of. But in our society, success is most often equated with attaining fame, wealth, perhaps an educational goal or career status. That's usually how we think of success in our society. And as I said, I want to talk next time all about other ways of looking at success and other perspectives. But uh, I wanted to move on to some research that has been done around the idea of success. So one definition we need to look at is the idea of attribution. And when you ask people about why they are successful, attribution means what do they believe is the reason they are successful. And so uh, researchers who've looked at it have talked about, they call it dispositional factors, which actually means the internal factors, factors that are within our own control about whether or not we are successful, choices we've made, um, how hard we've worked in our lives and uh, just the, the paths that we have chosen that we had control over, even our lifestyle and our behavior and how we've cared for ourselves. Uh, the other factors involved in success can be situational or external factors. Those are things outside of our control and it could be where you were born um, who your parents were, your economic status, your health status, things that you don't necessarily have control over that were sort of givens when you arrived here and began your life and, and things that you have or don't have in your life that may, may determine how, quote unquote, successful you are in life. So uh, in general, the researchers found that we here in our society in the U.S. tend to overemphasize the importance of internal factors and miss the importance of external factors. So we overemphasize the value of 
working hard and being determined and the choices we've made and, and how we have behaved. And we've uh, underemphasized the importance of some of the intangible factors of life that were just the givens at the time we were born. So there's a study that they did to look at this called the Monopoly Study, and it was done by Paul Piff, and he's done a TED Talk on this particular study, and it's it's really fascinating. So for the study, they brought together two strangers to play the game of Monopoly against each other. They used a coin flip, and the winner of the coin flip was given certain advantages in this game of Monopoly that they were playing together. So for example, the coin flip winner was given twice as much money at the start of the game. They were also given twice as much money each time they passed go on the Monopoly board. And they were allowed to roll both dice on every turn, which meant they got to move more spaces on each turn and had more mobility around the board than their opponent did. So this was clearly a major advantage for one person over the other and a matter of luck, whoever had the luck of the roll of the dice or the coin flip uh, to, to win and be the advantaged person in the game. Well, what they found for one thing, I, this was really fascinating to me, is that the players who were given more money began to show signs of dominance and they began to celebrate every time they were able to make more money or achieve more success. They felt empowered. Uh, they had pretzels on the table as a snack for the players and the players with more money ate more pretzels in general uh, while the players without money seemed to feel that they weren't entitled to things and seemed to have lower self-esteem as they were playing the game. The players with more money became ruder and also less sensitive to the plight of their opponent who had a disadvantage to them at the from the outset of the game. At the end of the game, they talked to uh, both players, the winners and the losers of the game. And as a rule, almost always, the winners of the game, the winners of the game every single time were the players who received all the advantages at the beginning of the game. But when they asked those players why they won, in every case, they attributed it to their skill at playing the game. Some sort of choice they made because they bought Park Place or the way they they put hotels on their properties or something that they had done in the game. They did not recognize at all that the advantages they were given at the start of the game contributed to their winning of the game. And as well, the losers of the game also seemed to emphasize the internal factors that there was something wrong with how they played the game. They made mistakes. They didn't play it well, as well as the other person. And that's why they lost. So the losers didn't even recognize that they had been disadvantaged in the game from the beginning. The game was rigged in favor of the other person from the very start. But the losers did not recognize that either. They tended to blame themselves for losing. And the winners credited them themselves for winning, even though they were playing a game that there was no way, no way the advantaged player could lose with all of the, the advantages they were given at the start of the game. So it's a really interesting thing to think about in our society. 
that as people achieve more and more success, and that is success in the material realm, accumulating more money, more material goods, um, finding more ease in life because of having more money to be able to pay for things, there is a tendency to attribute all of those good things in life to that person's own internal determinants to the fact that that uh, if I have accumulated a lot, it's because I've worked hard. It's because I deserve it. I'm entitled to it. Uh, rather than to recognize that there, there are other factors that contribute to success. There are the external situational factors of our lives that contribute to success or lack of it. And there's also luck, like the luck of a coin flip that allowed one person to start off advantaged in the game ahead of the other person. And so as I look at this, it seems to me that success is so multifactorial, and it's multifactorial for everyone, the presence or absence of quote unquote success. And again, it depends on our own definition of success and what kinds of goals we're trying to achieve. But if for simplicity's sake, we just look at success as attaining a certain amount of economic stability or material wealth in order to be comfortable in the world. For each person, there are multiple factors involved in how that person became successful. And I think each one of us could sit down and look at that for ourselves and be aware of all of the factors in our lives that have contributed to get us where we are right now, wherever that may be. And to help us take a look at ourselves and our own lives and really analyze where has my success or lack of success come from in my life, I came across this amazing uh, little questionnaire. It's called the American Dream Score. And it's really helpful at looking at all the factors that might have contributed to where you are today. So it looks at initially your gender, race, and age, and then your internal qualities of your personality that you possess, your family, where you grew up, any type of emotional abuse you might have received, your health, work, education, life events that have taken place, positive and negative, friends, and any benefits that you have received throughout your life uh, in terms of things like scholarships, like aid programs that, that you've been able to take advantage of. So it's really an interesting quiz to take and then it compiles your score and gives you a score out of 100 possible points where you fall and for me I fell on the uh, say two-thirds of my success due to uh, external factors um, the the advantages that I've had since birth in my life and the other one-third due to my work and my efforts and how I overcame some of the disadvantages that were present. But it's a fast, fascinating way of just looking at who we became and how we got here and what factors have influenced us. So for me, this is some of the most important information that we can have about ourselves as we're evaluating whether or not we are successful. And once again, it depends on our definition of success. But 
as we're looking at life, has the game been rigged against us from the beginning? Have we had just so much to overcome that it's been impossible to make progress and get anywhere? Or have we been a person who, who did okay and had some good luck and had some good situations in our lives that have helped us along the way, including people we've met and mentors we've had who have encouraged us and helped us along the way. I think what this quiz and also hearing about the Monopoly game can do is to help people have more empathy for those who are not doing so well, because I do believe there's a tendency to judge those who, for one reason or another, are not finding success, or they're not meeting their goals, they're not achieving what they wish to achieve. And I think sometimes in our society, we tend to put all the blame on those people and say, you must be doing something wrong. Um, something isn't right about you and how you're operating and how you're approaching this if you haven't attained success. And we may not even be aware of the external factors affecting that person that they have no control over. So I think learning about this quiz and thinking about it and contemplating it for your own life, it can be a good way to develop empathy for people who, for one reason or another, are not finding the success that they would like to have. Now, I have lots of thoughts about this uh, because I've spent a long time thinking about what our purpose is and why we're here. And I think specifically in our society, we overemphasize material wealth and achievement. I think that comes from our egos, which tell us the most important thing is, is how things look on the outside, is what we accomplish, what we achieve, what we accumulate. That's what the ego is all about. So when when the ego is in charge, it tells us that we've done well and we've accomplished good things in our lives. If we can look back and, and see a great career, money in the bank, lots of possessions and things we'd like to have in a life of relative ease, that means we've done a good thing. We've done something good in life. But I honestly don't believe and this comes from working with patients at the end of life, that those physical material manifestations of quote unquote success, I don't really believe that those are real. I don't really believe that those are our purpose here, or at least not our sole purpose here. We have other reasons for being on this planet, other reasons for our lives, other things to be here for. And I'm going to talk more in depth about that next week because I want to get into, as I said, the higher consciousness view of success. But I wanted to to just go a little bit further on this track. As we look at our society, one of the problems that we're facing right now is this huge wealth divide that 10% of people in our society own 69% of the wealth in our society. And for those who are not experiencing economic prosperity, those who are at the bottom of that hierarchy in the lower economic status, those people experience decreased social mobility, poorer physical health, 
uh, less community life, decreased educational opportunities and proficiency. The lack of economic stability affects every other part of life. And so not only is there a disadvantage in terms of of accessible money to pay for things, there are disadvantages in every aspect of life. And one of the reasons that we struggle to overcome this wealth divide and to actually actually make the, the wealth distribution in our country a little bit more equal is because, and this again is because of studies done by Paul Piff and um, his research department, that as people acquire more and more wealth, they tend to become less and less compassionate and have less empathy for other people, particularly people who are suffering. They also have an increase in entitlement and a focus on self-interest with increased wealth. In my mind, that indicates the feeding of the ego, that the ego thrives on the idea of being wealthier than others. And the ego becomes more and more self-focused and self-entitled with the accumulation of wealth. And it leads to more and more hoarding and more and more greed and desire for more and more wealth. And I'm not here to criticize anyone who is wealthy or not, but it's just helpful sometimes to understand the dynamics of how this wealth inequality occurs and then sometimes grows worse and worse over time. And it's all because, I think, because of the ego, because the ego is in charge of most people's lives. Most people are leading ego-driven lives, and they operate operate by the values and desires of the ego, and their goals come from the egoic level of their development, not from their higher consciousness, So, which again we'll talk about next week. But while all of this feels discouraging, I wanted to mention one last thing that um, Paul Piff mentioned in his TED Talk, that their studies have also shown that very small changes make a difference. That in their studies, when they have found, they showed simply a 40-second video of children, impoverished children and the disadvantages they have in life to a group of very wealthy, successful people. After that, just that brief video and exposure to it, those people became engaged in activities to help underprivileged children. They began to donate money. They began to look for ways to to help the children who were in the category that they had witnessed in the video that they watched. So that was a tiny exposure, 40, 46 seconds, maybe he said. And, um, it's, it's fascinating when you think about it. And when I've talked about compassion before, we learned that it only takes 40 seconds of compassion in an interaction with a person for significant benefits to occur. So a, brief videos, brief encounters, when we're reminding people that there are other people suffering in the world. And when we remind people that we're all one on this planet, we need each other. People respond to it, they hear it, it turns on their compassion center in their brain, and they become more open to helping. Now, those effects may not last very long. 
So we can't just do that one time, but we need to be spreading the word. We need to be sharing ideas and talking to people about how being more generous and more giving and reaching out to people who are, are suffering and struggling can make a difference. We need to tell stories. We need to be doing acts of kindness for others ourselves and then telling the story of it. What happened? How did it work? What difference did it make? We need to be aware of opportunities to be generous and giving and to be helpful to others because the more we model that type of behavior, the more we're influencing other people to see that's a good way to be. That's a good way to live your life. And so this reminder again, it only took a 46 second video to change people's behavior. It only takes 40 seconds of compassion to benefit someone who's suffering. These are tiny things, tiny moments of our time. And so I think this is something really powerful for us to look at. Last week, I talked about finding everyday awe in your life and that that also only takes a very brief encounter with an awe-inspiring experience or moment to make a change within. So the emphasis here is that these are not big major tasks that we need to be thinking about. We need to break it down into small moments every day what can I do to be kind to someone else? What can I do to find awe in my life? What can I do to demonstrate generosity and empathy and compassion so that others become aware of it and can see it? What can I do to care about someone else and um, care about everyone, regardless of their economic status, offer care and support and empathy toward everyone? And I wanted to share this verse from Rumi. I really love Rumi's writing. And so I wanted to share this as a way of closing out this discussion today. But Rumi wrote, Through love, all that is bitter will be sweet. Through love, all that is copper will be gold. Through love, all dregs will become wine. Through love, all pain will turn to medicine. So the answer that I'm finding right here is that, and this is what I've always said, we're here for love and that love is actually the force. It's the energy within us, the life force. It's the, the, the force in the universe that pulls us to grow and to evolve and change and transform. Through love, we can make a difference and we can help other people become their better selves. We can help them change and grow as well. And remembering this power of love and that in every situation, love ends up being the right answer. It's the right way to operate from love and to demonstrate that so other people can see it. And love is contagious and so is kindness. And when people experience love and kindness from us, they almost can't help themselves. They will end up showing it to someone else. So this is my um, moment of inspiration for you is remembering above all. You don't have to keep in mind a bunch of different lessons and a bunch of different things and a bunch of different practices that you have to do every day. If you can keep your focus on bringing as much love as possible into the world, that's 
really the only thing you need to do every day. If you make that your goal, that is how you can achieve some success in that goal because you have control over how much love you bring into the world with you. So make that the focus and make that what you learn about and study about and practice. And um, next week, we'll talk more about that. And we'll go more into the higher consciousness view of success. Um, But until then, as I said, remember, we're here for love. So face your fear, be ready for whatever life may bring you next, and love each and every moment of your very precious life. Bye bye.